0: Mark chapter 10, let's begin at verse 46, and let's read the word of the Lord together, shall we? Everyone read with me. Then they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him here. So they called the blind man, saying to him, Take courage, stand up, he is calling for you. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. Now, Lord, open our hearts, I pray, that we may hear Not what I want to say, but we will hear what the Spirit is going to say to us today in the midst of the preaching. Make up, I pray, for my inadequacies and and inability to communicate clearly and speak to us today, Lord, your word. Lift up other life-giving churches and I pray blessing upon them. and I pray for our loved ones not yet walking in right relationship with you. I pray especially for sons and daughters, Lord, that have wandered from the faith, and I ask that you will draw them back to you so that not one of them will be lost. I pray these things in the only name that matters, the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. the rooster's crow announced the dawn of a new day. But the man in the tattered robe, for him it began just like every other day had begun for more days than he cared to remember. Rising from his cot in the corner, he carefully felt his way across the room to a small box, which he opened to reveal a crust of bread. That, along with a few sips of water from a chipped cup, On the nearby table was the extent of his meager breakfast and constituted the only nourishment he was guaranteed for the rest of the day. Shuffling to the doorway, he retrieved his walking stick. There he paused for a moment, some nagging thought in the back of his mind reminding him that something was missing. Ah, of course, his cloak. He mustn't forget his cloak. This long white garment with big red stripes had been issued to him by the Roman government. And it was the symbol of his legal license to beg. When people would walk by him as he sat with his hand outstretched asking for assistance, the cloak assured them that he had a right to be there. Not only did that cloak identify him as legally permitted to beg, it also served as a blanket to keep him warm during the cold nights. When stretched out on the ground in front of him, it was the place people tossed coins. The cloak kept them from bouncing and rolling away to get lost in the sand. In those days, the good Jews on the way to Jerusalem would travel several miles out of the way to avoid having any contact with the Samaritans. They would cross the Jordan, go around by Petra, and then cross the Jordan again over by Jericho. From Jericho, They would take the steep road up to the city of Jerusalem, some 18 miles away. And the city fathers, or the Chamber of Commerce, took visitors around to see the sights of Jericho. They steered them away from this particular stretch of road. The presence of a man in a tattered robe with a beggar's cloak, rattling his tin cup and begging for assistance was not the image they wanted to promote for their fair city of Palms. It was on this road outside of Jericho that Bartimaeus positioned himself for his daily routine of begging. As we walk through this story, I want you to first of all see the desperation of this man. The story begins in verse 46, then they came to Jericho and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. It's interesting to me that when Mark identifies this man, he gives his condition before his name. And even then, he doesn't really call his name. See, Bartimaeus isn't really a name. And when you read it, it says a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. That word named, it's in italics in your Bible, indicating that it isn't part of the original manuscript but it was added in to try and provide clarity. In this case, I'm not so sure But what it makes it a little more confusing. Because you see the prefix in the name Bartimaeus, the prefix bar means son of. So the writer is essentially saying a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, the son of Timaeus. He's identified by his condition, Blind beggar, not his name. In addition, there's the meaning of the name Timaeus. This one's a little tricky. See, in Aramaic, Timaeus means defiled and unclean. In Greek, it means value and honor. Now, that's a little confusing. He's the son of defilement and dignity. It's confusing until you realize that this could easily describe every one of us. See, we all have great worth, and we are all unworthy. Everyone matters to God, and everyone is messed up. Come on, somebody. Bartimaeus is the son of Timaeus, but nowhere is his family to be found. he's he's blind. Blindness was a very common problem in that day, and generally, one who was blind was never healed. Many thought blindness was a consequence of sin, and therefore, the blind were often mistreated and marginalized. It is said by some that this guy's father, Timaeus, was royalty or was in some high position, and when his son lost his eyesight, his father kicked him out. He was rejected and Cast out. We 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 really don't know what happened, but something tragic occurred in this man's life, and he lost his sight through no fault of his own. He was blinded. Bartimaeus was one of society's expendables. He's on the bottom rung of the economic ladder, totally dependent upon everyone else. He's used to being ignored and abused and trampled on. He's an embarrassment to his family and even to his city. As far as Bartimaeus or anyone connected to him was concerned, his permanent lot in life was to sit by the side of the road on the outskirts of the city of Jericho and beg for sustenance. Well, this day started out just like every other day before it until suddenly he heard the sound of a large crowd of people coming from the city. He couldn't see what was going on, but he could hear the noise. As they got closer, he began trying to find out what was happening. No doubt, most of the people just simply ignored him. They were too busy trying to get the best view. They were offended by the sight of this beggar in tattered garments on the side of the road. But their conversations were loud, and Bartimaeus overheard somebody say something about Jesus of Nazareth traveling in the group. Well... Hearing the name Jesus caused his ears to perk up. He couldn't see him, but he had heard about him. See, he had heard reports of the miracles he had performed. The lame walked, the lepers were cleansed, the deaf could hear, and most important for him, the blind could see. There was even talk that this man was the long-awaited Messiah. His miracles certainly lined up with the prophet's words about the arrival of a Messiah in Isaiah 35 and 5, where the prophet said, Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Well, when Bartimaeus heard it was Jesus passing by, (laughs) he didn't just sit back and say, Well, I sure hope he comes over here and does something for me. I've I've had it so hard life just hasn't been fair for me all these years. I've been hurt and abused. I've been ignored. I've been shunned. I've watched everybody else get their blessing. I think it's about time I got something. No, no, no. That's not what he did. This was his chance for a change and Bartimaeus seized the opportunity. And notice he didn't stop to compose a traditional prayer. He didn't think about whether or not people would appreciate his outburst. He didn't care if he caused a scene. He was a desperate man, and the only help he could ever hope to get was about to pass him by, but now was his chance. And I want you to understand, he didn't need a preacher to preach him happy. And he didn't need a choir to sing him happy And he didn't need a deacon to pray him happy And he didn't need a hymn of preparation or invitation All he needed to know was that the living word of God was near He didn't have sight, but he had a voice And with a cry born out of desperation that began somewhere deep within He lifted up his voice and shouted Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me Notice what he wasn't saying. He wasn't saying, hey, look here, Lord. I've got some good qualities. I have a lot to offer. You you could really use a guy like me on your team. Do yourself a favor, Lord. Come over here and you won't regret it. No, no, no. His was an anguished, desperate cry. Oh, Lord, I'm messed up. I need mercy. This is personal. Have mercy on me. I heard about what you did for others, but I'm the one in need of your mercy. I'm the one needing help. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others you are calling, oh, do not pass me by. I want to say something to somebody that's in a desperate situation right now. Maybe it's time for you to do something besides complain about your limitations. I'm not trying to be ugly, I'm not being harsh, but maybe it's time to just stop complaining about your limitations. See, here we have a nameless, blind beggar desperately crying out for mercy. And I want to tell you, you don't have to have a good name to call on the great name. You don't have to have good credit for him to hear your cry. You don't have to be morally perfect to call on his name. You don't have to be a Bible expert to call on his name. You don't have to come from the right family to call on his name. The prophet Joel said it, both Peter and Paul quoted it. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So when you're desperate, call on his name. When your resources are depleted, call on his name. When the prognosis is grim, call on his name. When everyone has forsaken you, call on his name. When the last ray of hope has disappeared, call on his name. I'm talking to some people who are kind of like that beggar. You're sitting by the roadside of life, desperate for help, desperate for change, but you don't have the power to change. What's missing in your life when you don't have the power to change isn't a personal trainer. You don't need more protein in your diet. Your primary need is not external power, it's internal power. See, you have mountains in your life that muscles can't move. You have problems in your life that arms can't lift and legs can't bear. You don't need physical empowerment. You need spiritual empowerment. Can I just tell you, you don't need spiritual empowerment to go cut your grass. But you may need it to stop smoking grass. I'd really like to camp right there, but let me just move on. You don't need spiritual empowerment to change your oil, but you need it to change your circumstances. You don't need spiritual empowerment to make a baby, but you need it to parent a baby. You don't need spiritual empowerment to get married, but can I just tell you, you need it to stay married. Come on, somebody. You don't need spiritual empowerment to fight, but you do need it to forgive. You don't need spiritual empowerment to talk, but you need it to speak grace into somebody's life. You don't need spiritual empowerment to pray, but you need it to have your prayers answered. You don't need spiritual empowerment to diet, but you need it to make it to heaven. I'm here to tell somebody today, your condition doesn't have to be your conclusion. In your time of desperation, call on His name. In this story, there's desperation. Then I want you to see that there's determination. The Bible tells the reaction of the crowd to the desperate cry of Bartimaeus in verse 48. It says, Many were sternly telling him to be quiet. They were just basically saying, Shut up. Now, that crowd was not going to do a thing for Bartimaeus. But they had the nerve to tell him to be quiet. Jesus doesn't have time for you, worthless beggar. You'll never amount to much of anything. Be content with the help you've already received today. Hey, here's another dollar for your cup. Just quit all that yelling. We're trying to have a parade here. Can't you see that? You're ruining everything with your wailing. Ah, But Bartimaeus, this desperate man, had seized upon the opportunity and would not be denied. He was determined to get the attention of Jesus. See, he didn't know if he would ever get another chance like this one again. In fact, if he had waited for a more convenient time, he would have never received his miracle. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem for the Passovers. This this is the last time he would travel this way. When he gets to Jerusalem, Judas is going to betray him. The religious leaders are going to arrest him. The disciples are going to forsake him, and the Romans are going to crucify him. Bartimaeus can't afford to wait until the next time, because there's not going to be a next time. For Bartimaeus, it's now or never. So when the crowd told him to be quiet, the Bible says in verse 48, he kept crying out all the more: Son of David! Woo! Here, here, ho, ho, oh, me it's right there in the original you know isn't it? <laughs> have mercy on me I don't care if I'm making a spectacle of myself I'm desperate I don't care if this breaks with protocol I'm desperate I don't care what anybody says I'm desperate I don't care what anybody thinks about me I'm desperate I'm desperate and I'm determined if people in the crowd can hear me then just maybe Jesus will hear me too I hear he makes broken people whole, and I'm a prime candidate for wholeness. If he's looking for somebody to make whole, he doesn't have to look any further than right here. I'm not letting the crowd stand in the way of my wholeness. I'm not letting my pride stand in the way of my wholeness. I'm desperate, and I'm determined I'm going to be made whole. I feel like I'm preaching to somebody who's been praying for deliverance and it doesn't seem to be getting you anywhere. I'm here to tell you, pray one more time. Call out to Jesus one more time. Somebody needs the determination of Jacob in Genesis chapter 32, verse 26. I will not let you go unless you bless me. I'm telling you, you're right on the brink of your miracle. So hold on just a little longer. Cry out just a little louder. Get a bulldog grip on the promise of God and hold on. Refuse to give up. There's desperation, there's determination and then finally, I want you to see that there's deliverance. When Bartimaeus kept crying out, the Bible says in verse 49, and Jesus stopped. This pushed aside, ignored, forsaken, forgotten man over on the side, cries out, and Jesus stopped. Now, Jesus has a lot on his mind. He's on his way to Jerusalem where he's going to celebrate the Passover for the last time. In fact, he's going to be the Passover lamb that is sacrificed for the sin of the world. He's not going to be spared any pain, any agony, or any suffering, but when Jesus hears the desperate cry of a blind beggar, he stops and he turns his attention to the person in need. And I like to believe that when Jesus heard the cry of this man, he turned and saw Bartimaeus sitting by the side of the road. Bartimaeus didn't see Jesus, but Jesus saw him. And you may find yourself sitting on the side of the road through no fault of your own today. And It may seem like life is passing you by. It may be dark, bleak, smelly, dirty, dusty, uncomfortable, lonely, depressing, and you may not be able to see Jesus, but I want to tell you, Jesus is looking at you. See, the word of the Lord says in 2 Chronicles 16 and 9, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. You know, we used to sing in old church, there's an all-seeing eye watching me. I'm telling you, he's watching you. He has his eyes on you right now. You may not be able to see him, but he's watching you. Your situation may seem hopeless. People may have told you to quit. To be quiet, to give up, to back down, to move away, throw in the towel. But the Lord knows where you are. He's watching you. Jesus stopped. Then Jesus said, call him here. You know, you would think it would have been easier if Jesus had just walked over to where he was sitting. Instead, Jesus enlisted the people in the crowd to participate in the miracle. I just want to let that sit for a moment, that that you get to be a part of somebody else's miracle. Jesus said, call him, call him to me. And suddenly, (laughs) notice the mood of the crowd. It changes in verse 49. So they called to the blind man, saying to him, hey, hey, hey buddy, take courage, stand up. He's calling for you. (laughs) Seriously? After what you just told me? That same group that told him to close his mouth and be quiet, they're now saying, "Oh, cheer up, Jesus is calling for you. Come on, let me help you over, his, over there. They forgot all the reasons they had given him why he should have kept his mouth closed. Now, I don't know how you would have reacted to that. I think I know how I would have reacted. It's not pretty. But they say honest confession is good for the soul. So, and just, if I'd been that man, and they'd been telling me to shut up. And then suddenly Jesus calls me and now they change their tune. I think I would have turned on that crowd and said, you sorry, low down, good for nothing bunch of. <laughs> they wouldn't all been Sunday school words. <laughs> yeah. You were good until Jesus called me. Now, you, now you're good. I would have taken them to task. Trying to keep me away from my audience with Jesus. Can I just tell you, ignore the crowd. Ignore the crowd. Haters going to hate. Don't resort to getting down to their level. You just keep your eyes on Jesus. And notice Bartimaeus didn't really wait for the crowd to help him. Verse 50 tells the response, throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. Uh, There's so much in that that one verse, I, I hope I can unpack it for you the way I understand it. Because see, if you're not careful, you'll just read past the part about him throwing aside his cloak. And if you just read over that, and it's like, you know, he threw his, and move on, you'll miss a very significant detail. He threw aside his cloak. Wait, this is his old identity, This is the trappings of his old life as a blind beggar. This is his security. This is what gives him the legal right to beg. This is what keeps him warm at night. I suspect there was probably some money in the cloak from the morning's begging. And he left all of that. Do you understand what he's doing here? He's banking it all on Jesus. He's throwing himself completely on Jesus. When Bartimaeus throws off his cloak, he's saying, Jesus is calling for me, so I'm not going to need this anymore. Things are going to be different from now on. I'm expecting things to change. I want to tell somebody today that expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. That's why I asked you earlier to turn to somebody and say, I'm expecting God to do something big. That's the breeding ground for miracles. When Jesus calls you, you don't have to be identified with the way you used to be any longer. When Jesus calls you, you don't have to trust the arm of the flesh. See, what Bartimaeus lacked in eyesight, he made up for in insight. He threw aside that cloak because he didn't want anything tripping him up on his way to his miracle. He threw aside his cloak because he didn't want to be wrapped up in the past he threw aside his cloak because he wasn't planning on going back to the way it used to be he threw aside his cloak because he had to let go of some stuff in order to embrace the blessing God had for his life See, he knew that when he got to Jesus, his life would never be the same again. He knew that when he got to Jesus, he would never again need to use the things he used to use for survival. He knew that he was going to see and he would never need to beg again. The casting off of that cloak was a demonstration of faith and trust. And it became a proclamation of expectation that a miracle was on its way. The Bible says not only that he threw aside the cloak but that he jumped up and came to Jesus. Have you ever wondered how he got to Jesus? He couldn't see him. (laughs) For all their sweet words, I somehow don't think anybody in the crowd reached over and took him by the hand and led him to Jesus. I can't prove it from the text, but I suspect he got to Jesus the same way you will get to Jesus. He followed the sound of his voice. Jesus commanded and Bartimaeus obeyed. And he noticed he didn't make any excuse for his inability because what Jesus commands Jesus enables. The master calls and Bartimaeus comes. The old paths are forsaken. He leaves behind the thing in which he trusted for so long in order to step into the realm of possibility opened by the command of Jesus to come. And notice when Bartimaeus gets to Jesus and Jesus asks him in verse 51, what do you want me to do for you? I read that and I thought, that's the stupidest question. I mean... Think about it, doesn't that seem like a strange question? Maybe not when you understand the context of the story. See, if you go all the way back to the beginning of the chapter, all the way back in verse 2, what do the Pharisees want from Jesus? They wanted to outsmart and trap Jesus. Later on in that chapter, when the rich man was asked that question, what do you want me to do? In verse 17, he wanted eternal security at minimum cost. In verses 35 and 36, James and John wanted to be the top officials in the kingdom bureaucracy. So a blind beggar coming before Jesus, he might have said, well, you know, Jesus, I've fallen on some hard times lately, and, uh, you know, uh, um, the donations haven't been what they could have been, and I'd really like a couple hundred dollars extra to just get me me through the rest of the month. You think you could make a donation like that to my cup? That's what a lot of us would have asked for. Jesus help me be a little more comfortable. Jesus help me get by. Jesus help me so just so I can make it for a few more days. Not this blind beggar. Huh? He said in verse 51, "Rabboni, I want to regain my sight." Now, think about it. If he wants to regain his sight, that means he used to be able to see. He had lost something that he wanted back. He didn't act like he was okay with not having it. Just help me through this. No, no, no. he wanted it back. He's not just asking for sight. He's asking for restoration. The Bible says in verse 52, Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well, sozo, the faith has saved you, it's made you whole. And immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. There's so much I want to unpack there, but my time is up, so let 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 me try to land this plane. It just seems to me that I hear the Lord saying to somebody today, same thing he said to that blind man, take courage. Stand up, I'm calling for you. Can you hear him? Can anybody hear him? This probably isn't a message for everybody, but it is for somebody. It's for somebody who will hear the master's voice calling for you to come. Take courage, stand up. Jesus is calling you. Somebody is ready to recover what's been lost. Somebody is ready to reclaim what the enemy has stolen. I want to say to somebody, it's time for you to reclaim your peace. It's time for you to reclaim your joy. It's time for you to reclaim your hope. It's time for you to reclaim your family. It's time for you to reclaim your dream. It's time for you to reclaim your victory. The Lord is calling for somebody who's desperate for Him. Don't let anything or anyone hinder you. Lay aside your old paths, lay aside your pride, lay aside your past in order to embrace the possibility of a new tomorrow. Lay aside your fear. He's calling for you to come. Lay aside your guilt. He's calling for you to come. Lay aside your shame. He's calling for you to come. Lay aside your doubt. He's calling for you to come. Lay aside your old habits. He's calling for you to come. Lay aside your your preconceived ideas of how everything ought to be accomplished. He's calling for you to come. Uh, Lay aside your old tattered garment of how it's always been. He's calling for you to come and experience how it's going to be. I want to know if I'm talking to anybody who's really desperate for the help of the Lord. And one of the reasons, there's a couple of things that keep us from really getting the miracle that God has for us. One is we don't want to throw aside the cloak. We want to try to hang on to it because that's our security. And we're not willing to just jump on Jesus totally. We want to hang on to something. and That's, that's our fallback plan. You know, in case, in case Jesus doesn't come through, I, 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 got a, I got a backup plan. Well, that's not trusting in Jesus. That's trusting yourself. You didn't want to hear that, but that's still true. (laughs) So that keeps us away from the miracle. Second thing is, we're not really desperate. Yeah, we want Jesus to show up and help us, but you know, if he doesn't, we'll, we'll, we'll muddle along somehow. We've lost that sense of desperation that I've got to have Jesus. I've just got to have Jesus. He's the only one who can make this thing work in my life. So I want to know if I'm talking to anybody who's desperate for the help of the Lord. Anybody who's ready for a change. Anybody who's ready to take back what the enemy has stolen and reclaim your lost heritage. Anybody that's ready for the miracle dynamic of the Lord to break in on your life. I want to tell you, the Lord's in the midst of his people. He's here right now. I sense his presence. So hear him calling to you. He, he's probably not calling everybody. But he's calling somebody. Will you have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to your life today? Here's what he says. Don't be afraid. Take courage. You can trust me. Stand up, come to the master and come with an expectation that your life will never again be the same.